Welcome to the Creatives and Focus Podcast. Hi, I'm James Reed, fantasy author publishing under JMV Reed. The first volume of my epic 12-book fantasy series, Shadow of the Dragons, is available for purchase. Check out Foundation of Courage. Today, I'm joined by Derek Powers. He is the author of Filthy Henry series. How are you doing today, Derek? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. So, uh, Derek, I always like to uh, start off these interviews with a dumb question. So, are you a cat person or a dog person? I am a dog person. <laughs> awesome. Didn't even have to think about that one. <laughs> good, good. So, uh, so Derek, um, how long have you wanted to be an author? Um, probably since my teenage years, um, I definitely kind of dabbled in in writing when I was coming up through uh, secondary school, so high school for yourself, I think. Um, I uh, I quite enjoyed reading like science fiction, fancy novels, and I would have written some short stories as part of you know just general hobby type things. Um, but the kind of drive to really push myself and kind of get a novel out there was around um, 2012, probably. So what are we now, 2013? So a little over 10 years. Awesome. Yeah, it's (laughs) always a fun adventure, right? Oh, absolutely. Like you you never know what genre or what type you're going to be able to write about that you'll feel comfortable with. Like, should you go with third person or first person or should you stick with what you've been reading your whole life or should you try something totally different to see if you can stretch yourself? So it's uh, it's definitely always fun from that perspective. Yeah. And uh, so you have a you have a series called Filthy Henry, who is the first and foremost fairy detective. He's the sort of guy that I guess uh, finds the leprechaun's gold when it goes missing. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. So um, Filthy Henry, all all of the Filthy Henry stories, they have a a basis in Celtic mythology. So any of the Celtic myths and legends uh, I would have researched and then I turned those into modernized versions of themselves for Filthy Henry to solve as cases. Awesome, awesome. Let's talk about what's his first case. What's the first book about? Um, so the first one is uh, literally, as you as you said, uh, uh, Leprechaun has lost his crock of gold. So the the basic premise behind the Filthy Henry character is he is a half human, half fairy. He's the only one of his kind, and he doesn't really sit in the mortal world or the fairy world. And because of that, he's an ideal kind of bridge between the worlds. So when there's some sort of involvement between the worlds which are generally kept apart because of a magical accord that the fairy creatures all follow he is the one that gets pulled in to kind of mediate and mitigate and figure out what has gone wrong so the reason he gets called upon by the the king of the leprechauns to find his stolen crock of gold is two mortals uh have managed to steal the crock of gold which should be impossible because in order to see the crock of gold at all you need to be a fairy at the very least and a leprechaun at the um the extreme least so filthy henry gets pulled in to to solve the case to try and figure out where the crock of gold is how two mortals managed to steal it um but the only thing is Nobody in the fairy world actually likes dealing with Filthy Henry because they view him as a bit of an abomination. And because of that, he has this massive chip on his shoulder and he's not too fond of the fairy world either. OK, OK. So kind of uh, where did the idea for the story come from? Um, so, like I said, there's a there's a bit of Celtic mythology in, in every single one of his cases. And predominantly, I was trying to come up with an idea for a series of books um, 
that would feature kind of a, a newish character to the world. So you, you obviously have, you know, John Constantine and then Harry Dresden are both detectives that wield magic as well. But I didn't want Filthy Henry to just be another magic wielding detective. So it's his his whole power set is is very based in Celtic mythology. And the reason I went with Celtic mythology is I'm I'm from Ireland myself. I was born and bred here and I think there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff in the Celtic myths and legends that no one ever seems to really tap into outside of Ireland. And so I was kind of hoping that if I did it, it would interest people in also reading up about maybe the original versions of the Celtic myths that I'm kind of, you know, um, adapting and adopting um, without anybody complaining to me. So it's a it's a comedy fantasy series as well, because growing up, I would have been a big fan of of Discworld. So um, Filthy Henry is a quite sarcastic character. Uh, and that's kind of his whole personality trait is sarcasm and, and trying to be the smarter person in in the room. So each book, then you, you see a little bit more of that kind of coming through uh, as well. Gotcha. So like each book's its own adventure then. Exactly. Yeah. The the main thing I wanted to do when I was writing them was, again, kind of using Discworld as the, the Uber template for these things. Um, you could pick up a Discworld novel and, and read them totally out of sequence. And it's the same with Filthy Henry. So each of the books are self-contained uh, cases. The cast of characters, if there's any kind of backstory that you might need to know, um, I will include that kind of in, in the book that, that it's relevant in. But other than that, you can literally pick them up and read them out, out of order. Uh, all the information you need to enjoy the story is contained within each book itself. We have a Leprechaun Mrs. Gold. What are some of the other plots? Um, so the, the second one follows around the theory that you cannot kill a god. And yet uh, a, a dead god shows up in the middle of a, a Dublin suburb. Um, so Filthy Henry gets pulled into that case because there's a, an accord between what would be our benevolent gods in mythology and our dark gods uh, where they're imprisoned underneath the, the soil of Ireland. So because there's this dead God, there's a a question around, well, how did he die? And the, 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 the dark gods have proof that it was actually one of the more benevolent gods who stabbed the, the, the dead one. Um, so they're kind of given Filthy Henry 72 hours to solve the case or uh, the accord is off and the dark gods will return and they'll take back over um, Ireland. And then my, my personal favorite of the whole series is is one called Accidental Legend, which is a modernized version of a very old and very famous Celtic legend called the Tawn, where the hero Cúchulainn defends an invading army and he defeats them single handedly as they try and steal this magical bull that the king of the north uh, has in his possession. So yeah, that's that's the cauldron of Lud. Um, isn't that right? Or am I mixing up mytholo- mythology you, here? You, you might be mixing them up slightly. Okay. Um, but the uh, the whole premise then of accidental legend is uh, Filthy Henry gets pulled in to train one of Cú Cullen's descendants, and Cú Cullen's descendant just happens to be a bit of a drunkard and an absolute layabout, and he's in no shape to to, to defeat a magical army. Um, so Filthy Henry is, is brought in to kind of assist them. Um, and uh, I, think, I, I think I actually may have plotted that one even before I plotted the first one, but I felt there was a lot of stuff in it that I wanted to kind of develop, um, and, and they kind of spun off, and eventually the first novel kind of came out from the... I suppose the abandoned plot points that Accidental Legend didn't need then in the end. Okay, cool. That's a 
that's a fun way to like you're like yeah i have this really great story but like i need to build up to it i guess maybe is yeah. that what yeah yeah exactly like so accidental legend is the is the third in the series but there's two books before it um and they they really kind of lay the groundwork for a lot of the stuff then that happens in accidental legend and like like i said earlier you can read accidental legend in total isolation but when i was originally plotting it and um, there was a lot of stuff that i was like no this is actually an idea that you can spin off into a full-fledged story of its own right okay cool yeah no it's um like i had an idea for a story and it required me writing three books before I could trigger it, just because the story doesn't work if there's not a lot of groundwork for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah, so I wrote a, a five-book series. Three of the books are just the, to set up the idea that started the entire thing. And so I could trigger it in the fourth book. And that's not the worst way for, for good series is to come about, like. <laughs> no, it's just like it's a really great idea. Just like it, it's not something you can start. A book one with you have to you have to build to it it's on it's something that uh it's like i had another i have a 12 book series it all came off of one idea that's the start of the series because it's like the inciting incident like it has to be first because that's just how the story would work yeah and everything that just followed was the consequences of this one of this one decision which which i liked it was like i always like you know like what if you know there's this guy and he liked this this you know boy and he liked this girl and her dad was an abusive you know asshole and so he just wanted to like stand up for her Oh, and he was also a dark wizard part of a cabal that wants to destroy the world, and standing up to him had very bad consequences. <laughs> so he's like, yeah. It's like, yeah, he saved her, but he also disrupted the plan of a dark cabal trying to destroy the world. And, you know, there's definitely going to be consequences to, you know, that little, <laughs> you know, to this this young man who wants to, you know, be heroic to the girl he likes. Just just get the girl. <laughs> yeah, he just, he just wants to, like, get the girl. Um... And he doesn't even get with her because she doesn't actually like him that way. So <laughs> it, it really doesn't work out. It, uh, so he manages to get he manages to get the girl, but not get the girl. But he also gets a vendetta from a powerful cabal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he gets there's another girl. So he gets something else. But like, yeah, there's a but no, it's all is, you know, it's just like, yeah, you know, it's like coming of age. You know, he's like, yeah, you know, that first love, it doesn't usually work out. So, you know, it didn't work out. But, you know, he did save her from her evil wizard father who was going to sacrifice her life as part of a plot to destroy the world. So, you know, it still was a good thing. It just didn't work out like he thought, you know. <laughs> What's that phrase? The, the the road to hell is paved with good intentions? <laughs> yeah, well, that's the evil wizard cult. They're definitely the, the ones who have, like, their good intentions. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, a, it's like, it was like an idea. I was like, oh, that's a great idea. And I'm like, well... And then, so like I just like okay I just like I don't know I just had the idea I was like boy wants to save girl and her father's an evil wizard and then like and then I I just like then I just uh it worked well then I just put it on this other idea I wanted to have like a story that like a fantasy quest adventure and they go on a fantasy quest adventure because they get chased for a while so there's like a chase story where they're they're fleeing from the bad guys and and then that develops in them wanting to stop the bad guys right you know nice good story progression yeah but, yeah <laughs> just couldn't but you know i don't know that's how that's the fun of stories like i don't know you just have like a weird idea i had an idea for like guys running dragons with guns and i lost the guns but i kept most of the rest of it that the guns just didn't quite work and you know like all the stuff that we're saying here is the kind of stuff you wished like george R. R. martin would do because his books just seem to be i have a great idea and i'm just going to put them all into the one book <laughs> and then the book just grows and grows and grows and grows and never actually gets finished well, I mean, let's not talk about the Great Great Glacier. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, he finally started writing Wolves of Winter um, after like seven years of not doing anything with it. 
so yeah. it might be out in our lifetime i don't know i uh like obviously I, i'm not on the same par in terms of popularity but like i did i set myself a challenge to try and have more books out before he had that one out than he currently has out and if i get one out this year i think i actually managed to achieve that <laughs> yeah no i mean it's 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 doable uh, he just doesn't i don't know he just he got i don't know burned out on it or i don't know you know he's he wants to do other things he got famous you know so he's enjoying that he's a tv person originally too so i think he was like really cool with the tv show until he had like a falling out with the producers which is when the market change in the the quality of the show happened yeah that's right that's right actually i remember reading about that yeah basically the the two creators were like like no george R. R. martin we're not the show's not successful because of you it's successful because of us and so they cut him out <laughs> Then uh, we, last two then we, yeah then you got that and then and then they were like and then they were like yeah now we're just done with the show so we're just gonna slap dash together an ending that doesn't make sense and call it a day because we got because we were going to go to make star wars movies but um you know their show had such a bad reaction that they didn't get to make those star wars movies i know right <laughs> it was like such a weird coincidence or sequence of events yeah, they were like, oh, you, we're going to be doing a Star Wars film. Coincidentally, we're ending the show. And Martin's like, why? And HBO's like, why? The yeah. show's popular. You have way more story you can go with. And they're like, no, we're going to end the story now. It's the right time to do it. And HBO's like, okay, you guys make us money, and we're going to have all these spinoffs. And then, like, yeah, it killed all the spinoffs. They threw all the spinoffs into the garbage. They started over with, like, House of the Dragons, which um, has been really successful for them. But yeah, they kiboshed like four or five spinoffs that were in development that they just were like, season eight was so badly received. They're like, okay, let's, we need to pump brakes here and figure out what we need to not do here. And then, uh, yeah, it's it's like someone handed them the, uh, the golden goose and rather than like look after it, they decided to have goose for dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's, it's cause we, and I think it's just because the two guys were really good at just copying and pasting Martin's stuff but they're not actually good writers on their own. So when they deviated from Martin, it was bad and it just got worse as they didn't cobble together their own ending. And um, I mean, if you go look at their writing credits, they're, they're almost non-existent before Game of Thrones. One guy was just an assistant. Like he's just the other guy's assistant. I saw that. Yeah. 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 You know, but like I said, I think they were really good at adapting it. Just they're not, they're not good. Like I, I saw it in season two. Like I saw the changes they made with the book, and I was, and all the changes they made with the book are, were bad and were really kind of poorly written. Um, didn't feel like part of the world. And um, yeah, no, I think they they showed that they they didn't. I don't know. It's you know you have different people. Some people are not good at. Some people should not be writing fantasy on their own. And you know that's obviously these two guys. They should be doing something else. Maybe I don't know what that is. They had some Netflix deal that never went anywhere. So I don't know what they're doing these days. But Probably make that Star Wars plan to come together. <laughs> well, I mean, there's only been like 20 Star Wars trilogies that have been canceled in the last three or four years. Like they keep saying these guys are going to do a trilogy for us, and then nothing else. Like Patty Jenkins is going to do a trilogy for like the Rogue One, like, and then uh, that didn't happen. Ryan Johnson's like said he's been doing a trilogy since Last Jedi or he came out, and the things ever come of that, you know, in like seven years now. <laughs> um. Who else was going to do one? Uh, like they, they gave the D and D guys, you know, um, the two guys from Game of Thrones. Uh, I think they are JJ Abrams was in the mix. No, not JJ Abrams. Um, someone, the other guys who are from his company were like in the mix for a bit. Or uh, Damon Lindelof 
or yeah, Damon Lindelof, I think, is the new guy that they're saying was going to make a trilogy. Um, I don't know. They they keep announcing tr- trilogies and stuff. There. I mean, there's going to be a Boba Fett movie, and then said we got a Boba Fett TV show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was also a, a season of The Mandalorian somehow. I still have to watch the, the Boba Fett one, actually. I've watched The Mandalorian. The best episode of Boba Fett is the one where he's not in it, and it's just um, the first episode of Mandalorian Season 3. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not joking. They literally cut from him, and they just go with Man- with Mando after the events of Season 2, and he does all this stuff, and he ends up on you know, on Tatooine for whatever reason. And then they, they cover, like, Grogu starting his training with Luke. And it's, like, and it's in the middle of it, of the <laughs> season. And all it does is undo the ending of season two to get Mando and Grogu back together. Brilliant. So they can go do season three. <laughs> for real. But, like, it's in the middle of the book above the Fed. It's, like, two episodes at the <laughs> end of the season that suddenly are Mando season three. <laughs> When you become a bit part in your own show. <laughs> yeah. And they're also the high, and it's also the highest rated episode on IMDB. The one that doesn't have Boba Fett in it. Oh, give the fans what they want. Give the fans what they want. Oh. Uh, well, yeah. So anyway, so Filthy Henry sounds like a really great story. Are you working on like more parts of it? Um so I, I've actually got three more books currently kind of planned out uh very very roughly so there's there's five books in the series in total uh the last one called nearly christmas came out just around halloween um, and that was on purpose because it's about all the halloween traditions um i'm a big fan of letting halloween happen and i don't know if you've noticed but i i definitely have uh the christmas decorations and stuff start to appear in the shops earlier and earlier every year yeah uh, and it'd be great if, you know, Halloween could just like have its day, especially because in, in Ireland back historically, like Halloween is a it's a big thing for the Irish. Yeah, it's, um, it's some it's someone, right? Uh, someone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I cannot say Celtic words like they're spelled nowhere like they should be like it's done on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Irish is OK, but like Welsh, I look at Welsh names. I'm like, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, yeah. My my uh, my my father is Welsh, and uh, it's it, there's there's letters in in the words that you're like, where do those letters come from? Because you're just saying them, but they're not there. Like they're not written there. Whoever, yeah, no. It's whoever transliterated like Welsh into the Roman alphabet did a very bad job. Exactly. Very, very bad. So it's, these are not these are not correct. I don't know what to do with them. I, I can go pronounce. I'll go read German. I can pronounce German just fine. Dutch, French, but this. But anyways, yeah. Yeah, no, I love it. It's great. Halloween's a great holiday. Yeah, the states are like that, too, where, like, uh, like November 1st, Christmas really just takes over. And we have, a, like, a major holiday in between those two that just gets kind of ignored. Yeah, yeah. Because there's, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no commercial money in it. Yeah, exactly. It, they, it, they just, they never bothered to commercialize it beyond making everyone buy a giant turkey. But, yeah. um, yeah, because, like, I know there's no gift giving with it, so and there's no costumes to buy so it's just food so they yeah they, they, and it's sandwiched between them so they just like ah oh, we just go halloween kind of get yeah and like but like it's that's the states like christmas just keeps coming back until it budded into halloween and then it kind of they just had to be like well we kind of need to sell halloween stuff first and then november 1st it's all gone exactly focus on christmas there's actually there's there's a scene i purposely put it into nearly christmas um 
because it's something that I'd love to do myself, but I've never actually had the opportunity where Filthy Henny walks into a shop and on the left hand side of the aisle, there's all Halloween decorations. And on the right hand side, there's all Christmas decorations. So he purposely takes some zombies and skeletons and puts them into the the, the nativity cribs um, because he just wants to like remind people that Halloween should be coming first. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I mean, the entire, I mean, it is just a Celtic holiday. It's, you know, you know, it's the you put on masks so months like devils and monsters don't recognize you as a human right that's it that's that's kind of, yeah yeah because that's the night they're allowed to go and roam around so you got to blend in with them and uh you know it's a good you know you celebrate the yeah i know it's a good good holiday i mean at least it's still around some, in some form in some form yeah exactly um but yeah so I, i've got three rough ones plotted out for for the next adventures for for filthy henry um there's one around a banshee that enters a singing contest um <laughs> There's one that my father-in-law, I, I should never have told him that I had this idea because he keeps asking, have I written this book yet? Um, there's, you're fully, I'm sure you're aware of Guinness being like our main export in terms of alcohol. Um, yeah, yeah. So the the founder of the, the brewery, um, a man called Arthur Guinness, he was so sure that the drink, that the beverage would be popular. Um, he signed like a ridiculously long lease that he would never ever see out in his own lifetime. Um, and if you go to the brewery on one of the tours, you can actually see it uh, on display. It's um, I think they have it in the in the floor on the ground floor in like a, a glass um, uh, display case that's actually in the ground itself. Um, so my idea for that one that the father-in-law wants to find out is uh, Arthur Guinness is actually going to be a fairy. And that's why he signed the lease for so long, because as a fairy, he could live that long. Um I haven't like fully thought about who the baddie is going to be in the equation, but my father-in-law just keeps asking, have you written the Guinness one yet? I really think the Guinness one's a good one. So <laughs> I think I might have to write that one next after the Banshee. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I mean, I love, yeah, Guinness is great. Like, um, I don't know, it's usually what I get when I go out to a restaurant. I like that kind of um, chocolatey aftertaste you get with it. Oh, yeah, there's nothing like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. I know, I, I, I like to claim because I'm partly Irish, so that's partly it. But, <laughs> <laughs> like uh i don't know yeah my because my grandfather's irish well as irish as anyone who's like grandfather had immigrated from ireland to america could be right <laughs> or great grandpa it's grandfather great grandpa i don't remember like came over in like the 1870s with his like four sons and uh his sod house he built over in wenatchee which is you probably have no idea where that is but it's like a it's a tourist attraction now oh wow this the small sod house that is like the size of the my office i'm currently in which is where he lived with him and his four sons when they started farming over in uh, eastern Washington. And yeah, it's still like there. Yeah, we, we were good at small houses for some reason. Not quite sure how people survived. Well, you know, he, he came over like, I think it was the, the potato famine was was raging, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you've got something better than starving to death. That's You, you take it, right? Exactly. And then, uh, and then my grandfather, he lived the Irish stereotype. He was a fireman. <laughs> so that's that's the stereotype here in the states. Like all the firemen are like Irish. But his father is a college professor. Well, you have to break the chain at some stage. Right. So, so his father is like a like a was a really like world famous expert on irrigation in the forties. Like he went to India and stuff. And then his son is like, yeah, I'm going to be a fireman. <laughs> so. 
I don't know. They get it went back to the working class. Like there's like one guy who was like, no, I'm gonna I'm going to college and I'm gonna be a professor. And and then everyone else in the family like went back to working class after that. And you know what? They all they all probably looked at him and said like, look at your man over there. He has notions. Look at him. Look at him. <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't know. It's uh like I mean, because like I I only met the guy like when I was a kid. He died when I was like five or so. Because like my great grandfather. And so I don't remember him much at all. But, like, my great-grandmother I knew a lot. She died when she was, like, 99. Wow, that's a good age. Yeah, she almost made it. Almost. But, yeah, she was our, our great-nana. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so she died when I was, like, a late teenager. But I never knew my great-grandfather. But I knew my grandfather really well. He passed last year. But, yeah, it was, uh, he was a good guy. And, then, uh, and I got the Irish, like, red beard and black hair thing going on. <laughs> <laughs> so like dark brown, I have dark brown hair, but my beard's red. If it wasn't gray now, it's all going gray these days. But yeah. so I have that. I don't know why, because like, I have so much other blood in me. Because like my father's German, you know, and my grandfather married an Italian woman. So like, so like his kids are like half Irish, half Italian. So that's all sorts of weird, you know, coloring and stuff. And then, uh, so yeah, I don't know. But the, for whatever reason, I got the. I'm the only grandson that has like the red beard. So, you don't need um, to do one of those um, DNA tests when you when you when you get a ginger beard if you've got dark hair. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I have a dark hair. I mean, like if you could just like there's a there's a definitely different color you know hair color there on the beard. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. Well, so uh, do you have one of the the filthy Henry books about to come out, or it's just you got to work on the banshee one? Um, I'm actually I've I've started to do a strange thing where I've alternated the books that I write. So um, for a, a number of years, I was predominantly just writing Filthy Henry ones. And um, last, not last year, the year before, I started to work on a science fiction um, detective story. Okay. I can only write detective stories. Apparently, I just changed the genre, but they're they're all detective stories. Um, so I got that out, and then I worked on Filthy Henry book five, um, called Nearly Christmas. Um, and when that was pushed out, I, I had this idea for an actual, just a crime novel. Um, so that's what I'm currently working on at the moment. Um, I started working on that in December. Um, I've also been doing a, a good friend of mine, uh, during COVID when we were doing all the lockdowns and things. Um, for some reason, unbeknownst to me, he decided to write a team tune for Filthy Henry. Um, and it's actually it's it's pretty good. It's very catchy. And he sent it over to me and I was like, yeah, that's that's very nice. And he said, uh, we, we need to do something with this. And I was like, well, what do you do with this? Like, I, I have a book. You've written a team tune. These two things aren't necessarily the same, you know, medium. And then he sends me over four chapters that he recorded and he edited it and he's done the whole shebang. So we started to put out um, podcasts of the first three books. And then I've been writing um short stories that have never been published before um, and we kind of put them out in between the seasons um as like little kind of traffic drawers i suppose you could call them um, okay. so that that's kind of where i get my filthy and henry itch if i wasn't doing those i'd probably be just working on the next filthy henry book but i feel while i write the short stories i can kind of justify not writing a filthy henry novel at the moment so what's the uh, the crime novel about um it's the idea that i had was a rather than doing it all from the the hero's point of view we're actually getting told a story by a villain and so there's this crime boss this dublin crime boss who has been locked up for the first time ever and he's talk he's kind of telling his tale of woe to the solicitor that's been assigned to his case to get him out um but the whole 
premise of him telling this story is there's this mysterious figure that we just refer to as the knight who keeps on attacking the crime boss and either stealing his drugs or you know sending the police his way so that things get you know screwed up and his crimes are no longer able to be committed and every time this happens this knight leaves a little chess piece behind and it's starting to drive the crime boss uh, paranoid so he's kind of relating all this to the solicitor because he reckons he knows who the person is he just needs the solicitor to follow his line of thought um and then he's going to get the solicitor to you know bring this evidence and and bring the knight to justice and then the crime boss will get off but then there's a twist at the end where we actually find out who the actual knight is and it's somebody that the crime boss would have never even thought of sounds like a great story well uh Derek, if you want to know where like people can connect with you on social media uh, yeah, so um, I have my Twitter account, which is uh, DC Power underscore author. Um, that's pretty much my my main social media presence. Um, I don't really do Facebook, although I, I should. Um, and then if you're interested, I have my, my website called Power Rights. So that's power and then W-R-I-T-E-S dot com. Um, and people can contact me there as well there's a, a a contact form there if people want to send me messages or anything awesome well it was really great chatting with you Derek. pleasure you have a good one you too this has been creatives in focus you can follow my books on amazon under jmd read or join my readers group fantastic worlds of the imagination on facebook to keep up with news and releases